Foundation. I'm Emily Vanderbush. And I'm Michelle Cordero. And this is Mass Ave. As we rebuild our industries, it is also time to rebuild our crumbling infrastructure. Tonight, I'm calling on Congress to produce a bill that generates at least $1.5 trillion for the new infrastructure investment that our country so desperately needs. In his first State of the Union address, President Trump gave a preview of his plan to make good on his campaign promise to rebuild our crumbling roads and infrastructure. The speech didn't offer too many details, but if the $1.5 trillion price tag is any sign, it's going to be an ambitious proposal. From claims of crumbling roads and bridges to burdensome regulations, it can be tough to separate fact from fiction when it comes to talking about our nation's infrastructure. President Trump highlights his plan to rebuild the nation's crumbling infrastructure in his State of the Union address. More than 54,000 of the 612,000 bridges in the country are structurally deficient. I go and drive around in other cities, in other countries especially, and the roads look so much better. What are we doing wrong? We sat down with Michael Sargent a policy analyst in Heritage's Thomas A. Rowe Institute for Economic Policy Studies, to help us break it down. Let's go to our interview. Hi, Michael. Thanks for joining us today. Let's start out by getting a lay of the land on infrastructure. What is in President Trump's plan? Sure. Well, uh, first, thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. Um, So the president in the 2016 campaign um, built off Hillary Clinton's infrastructure proposal, which was $275 billion. He said, well, probably do twice that, $550 billion, and that was soon up to a trillion dollars in infrastructure investment. So this kind of recent push that we've seen is making good on that campaign promise. And we haven't gotten any official details yet of the administration's plan. So we're basically going off just a couple of things that have trickled out over the last year or so um, in various news releases and uh, kind of piecemeal documents we've seen from the administration. So their their plan that we expect to see released over the next month or so is essentially attempting to leverage $200 billion in direct federal spending to incentivize states, localities, and the private sector to invest up to a trillion, possibly $1.5 trillion now, that's what he said in State of the Union, uh, into uh, infrastructure. And from what we've seen so far, it's kind of taking a different tact from what the federal government traditionally does, which is just dispense grants to states for various types of infrastructure in different buckets, one for highways, one for transit, one for waterways. And generally, the federal government will pick up the majority of the cost for those projects that are funded by the grant. So generally for highways, like 80 percent of um, a highway project, whereas states will pitch in the remaining 20 percent. From what we're expected to see from this proposal, it'll be kind of flipped on its head so that that $200 billion ends up going farther because it will only pick up 20% of the project costs where the, incentivizing the states or localities or the private sector to pitch in the remaining 80%. So it's really kind of turning the current paradigm on its head. But that said, we're not exactly sure how those uh, funds are going to be spent. Uh, we're not really entirely certain how they're going to go out the door in terms of what the administration is looking for, what types of projects, how they're going to be pushing. And then also, we're not really sure 
uh, how much appetite there is in the states to essentially change uh, what they're used to getting and have them raise their own money for most of the project, whereas they're used to the federal government picking up most of the costs. So it's really unclear how that dynamic is going to play out. And then also the big question mark that we still don't have an answer for is uh, how are we going to pay for it? That's always kind of the big question, uh, especially on the Hill. And so that's that's really the biggest blank that we have so far. But we're expecting to hear more in the next month. And when was the last time? Has there been previous legislation that's similar to this, or is this kind of the, the first of its kind? This is kind of the first of its kind in regards to the Trump administration taking this kind of approach. I guess the most similar thing that we've seen would be uh, the stimulus bill in 2009 okay. that included a big portion for infrastructure. But then the most recent infrastructure legislation was in 2015 for the highway bill, and that was a five-year, $305 billion uh, spending package. But this is a, of a very different mold um, in regards to the way that the administration is approaching it. As we talk about infrastructure, there are a lot of big statements thrown around. So we wanted to run you through a round of true or false. Maybe you can uh, correct the record on a couple of things. So the first one is true or false, roads and bridges are crumbling. That That is mostly mostly false. Okay. Um, so this is kind of the current narrative that we see in the media all over the place um, and, and in Congress is that our roads and bridges are falling down. But when you actually look at the data, the major infrastructure, the nation's uh, highways and its bridges are actually in, in satisfactory condition and are improving. So when you look at the nation's bridges that are categorized as structurally deficient, that doesn't mean that they're unsafe. It just means that they require more maintenance than those that are in a state of good repair. That number has actually decreased by half over the last 25 years. So structurally deficient bridges now only comprise 9% of our total bridges and about 4% of ones that people use frequently. And a similar thing goes for highways. When you actually look at the pavement condition of the national highway system, over 90% of of the miles traveled on that system are on uh, roads that are in good or better um, condition. So there, there certainly is infrastructure that we do need to repair and replace, but it doesn't tend to be the nation's major assets. It, it tends to be local infrastructure like uh, local roads or water systems, things of that nature. And the federal government is very poorly positioned to uh, meaningfully try and repair those uh, types of infrastructure. The second one is spending more on infrastructure creates more jobs. Yeah, that's that's uh, false. It, broadly speaking, it depends on the economic conditions. What economists will generally tell you is that in a recession, when unemployment's really high, federal spending can create jobs by getting people uh, out of the unemployment lines and into uh, building projects. And even then, it's it's fairly questionable uh, right now. Infrastructure construction is no longer kind of shovel and pickaxe work. It requires years of job training and experience. So even when there is really high unemployment, it's not evidently clear that infrastructure spending will create new jobs off the bat. And that's even more true right now when unemployment is at its lowest point since 2000. Uh, And we've seen the contractors who end up doing this kind of construction work saying that they are currently experiencing a labor shortage. So if, if we do go about spending more money, we wouldn't see any new jobs being created. What we just see is reshuffling um, existing jobs towards projects that have political cachet. All right. And then the other is true or false, Congress has mismanaged infrastructure spending. That's definitely true. <laughs> okay. um, 
Uh, and we've seen this just uh, kind of across the board. Everything from earmarks, which up to 2010 were really big. Uh, deal we saw the the bridge to nowhere is kind of an infamous example, and that re- resulted in the banning of earmarks because of how egregiously they were they were spent. But then also we see infrastructure money that was originally intended for um, a proper federal role in in, in building a, uh, for example, an interstate highway system, something that no one state could do, which you can argue is probably a federal role. What we've seen is Congress not only continuously overspend out of the trust fund that was supposed to be for interstate construction and maintenance, but then they also kind of use that as a piggy bank and, or a slush fund for favored projects. So right now, 30% of funds that were supposed to be reserved for um, the national highway system are spent on things that are completely unrelated. So not only do they spend more than they take in, it's also going to things of questionable merit. So now that we've gone through the true or false, what are the conservative recommendations for meaningful infrastructure policy and reform? Sure. I think first, before we spend any more money, we have to take a look at our current uh, spending system and ways we can stretch the dollar uh, taxpayer dollars to go farther. Uh, right now, federal spending on infrastructure is laden with a ton of cost increasing uh, regulations. These are things like the Davis Bacon Act that increases labor costs by twenty percent, as well as Buy America restrictions, which require that all inputs are manufactured in the United States, and that's a really big deal. Because not only does it limit competition, but then we also see a huge increase in costs. And and we only have anecdotes to illustrate that because Congress has repeatedly refused to study this thing because they don't want to get a bad rap. But when you look at things like buses and rolling stock for, for transit projects, these are produced much more affordably overseas. And um, when, when they're produced here, we tend to see not only higher costs, but more questionable quality. So that's, that's a huge deal, looking at the regulations that increase current federal spending. Number two, I would say we really have to go and examine other regulations when it comes to infrastructure construction. These are not necessarily tied to federal funding, but affect infrastructure across the board. And the first is uh, permitting and environmental review. Uh, this is a huge deal. We are way behind other developed countries when it comes to how long it takes for us to get projects off the ground. So highway projects on average take over five years just to get an environmental impact statement. And that is only one piece of the whole uh, permitting and review puzzle. And so what we see are some major projects end up being held up for decades uh, before they're even allowed to put shovels in the ground. And this affects all infrastructure across the board. And there's a bipartisan call to really go and and fix this. And to their credit, the Obama administration realized that this was a serious problem and made some small efforts to expedite this process. And then the Trump administration built off that with an executive order. But what we really are going to need are going to go and dig down into the, the laws that govern this and, and change the way we do it, because it really is unacceptable to delay infrastructure projects by you know 10 years mm-hmm. when other developed countries have the same level of environmental protection, but they can get them off the ground in two years or less. And then the, the third thing that we really need to go and overhaul is the uh, outdated way the, the federal government takes in revenues and spends it out on infrastructure. It ends up acting like a greedy middleman. So what, what we see for things like airports, highways, inland waterways is the federal government will levy a broad-based tax on infrastructure users, funnel that through Congress and all the special interests and the bureaucracy, and then distribute it back 
to the projects or to the states and localities. And not only is this really inefficient, it ends up diverting a lot of money to congressional uh, pork barrel projects. Um, and it really creates a lack of accountability and inefficiency. And so I think we see this when it comes to airports. The 60 largest airports in the United States serve nearly 90% of the passengers, but they only receive less than 30% of federal grants. And because those are paid for by the people who are flying, it ends up being a huge shift away from the airports that people use and want to see improvements on to those that they will never, ever use in their life, generally speaking. We also see this with uh, inland waterways, which are owned and operated by the Army Corps of Engineers. And because the, the taxes that they collect to fund these things, it's a, it's a tax on fuel for shippers, that, that tax only covers about half of operating costs and 0% of capital costs. And so to absolutely no one's surprise, the locks and dams that the shippers use to ship products in the inland waterways um, are in, in awful condition. And so essentially just completely rethinking the way we do that and just cutting the federal government out of the way and authorizing airports and inland waterways and, and highways to charge direct user fees would be far more efficient. It would give much more control to the people closest to those who are using the infrastructure. And it would also give a signal as to which infrastructure needs the most repairs and, and how to allocate that capital most effectively. And so just completely getting Washington out of the business of kind of being the this referee and middleman when they have their own kind of special interests at stake would be a huge boon to increasing efficiency and uh, modernizing our infrastructure. All right. Well, this has been very informative and definitely an interview I'll be referring back to as infrastructure picks up. Thanks so much for joining us, Michael. Thanks for having me. And that's it for this episode of Mass Ave. If you like today's podcast, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, we'd really love it if you could leave us a comment on Facebook or iTunes and let us know what you think. Be sure to join us next week when we talk about why free college tuition is a bad idea. Mass Ave is produced by Michelle Cordero and Emily Vanderbush, with editing by Thalia Rampersad.